Well, good morning and welcome to our online Easter worship experience. We are so thankful that you took time out of your morning to join us here in worship at Bear Life Church. No matter where you're watching all over the world, we are so thankful and honored to be able to serve you this morning. You know, this is not the circumstances that we thought going into Easter. We thought for sure that, hey, you know what? We're gonna meet both locations and we're gonna see over 4,000 people show up and anticipate God to do a great move right here in our region. However, we're coming to you through technology. So no matter where you find yourself all over the world, we just wanna say thank you so much for joining us. And I know that our world in the last 60 days really has been turned upside down. I mean, completely turned upside down. What's normal, what we took for granted, we don't take for granted anymore. And in the midst of all that, one of the statements and core values here at Better Life Church is that we believe that the best is yet to come. Now, some of you who know me, you say, Pastor, you say that all the time, that the best is yet to come. But really, what does it mean that the best is yet to come? Well, there's one word behind that phrase and that statement, which is a core value and conviction at Better Life Church, and that is hope. We believe and hope that the best is yet to come. And we truly believe that God is gonna do something great through this. We truly believe that God's gonna do something great through you through this. And in the midst of all this chaos, I just wanna encourage you, stop for a moment and say, God, what do you wanna teach me? What do you want me to learn through what's happening all over the world? Through all the chaos and all the trauma and the trials and the tribulation, what do you want to teach me? And here's what I want, I believe God wants to teach you is hope. You see, a lot of people misunderstand hope. They don't really know what hope is or really what hope means. Hope is more than being optimistic. It's not just wishful thinking. Like, like I'd rather be optimistic than pessimistic, right? Because I'm a very optimistic person. But when you think about hope, hope is, when you think about being optimistic, optimistic is psychological, but man, hope is theological. Optimistic is putting trust in yourself, but hope is putting trust in our God and in our savior. Hope sometimes when we think about it, looks at reality, but optimistic sometimes denies reality. I know I'm very optimistic and sometimes I don't look at the reality part of it because I'm just so optimistic about stuff. But hope looks at reality and says, you know what? It's bad, like it's really bad. But I believe that my God is in control and I believe that my God will come through. Hope says, you know what? My marriage is struggling. My finances, they're struggling. This addiction I'm trying to break, struggling. My kid's gone wayward, parenting, and I'm struggling. And hope looks at reality and says, but you know what? My God is in control and my God is good and my God will come through no matter what. And that's really what I want to share with you this morning. You know, a lot of times as a pastor, when you think about Christmas and Easter uh, messages, you think, oh, that'd be pretty easy, right? That's Super Bowl Sunday for the church. Like those are easy messages that you should come up with that you should do. But you can ask any pastor when it comes to Easter and when it comes to Christmas, a lot of times we, we, we like, you know, God, what do you want us to share? And I never forget this, this past week, actually, I was even thinking and actually several weeks ago, I was thinking to my wife, I said, I said, honey, what do you think the Lord wants me to share in the midst of all this trials and tribulation and our world's been turned upside down? And without a blink, she says, hope. People need hope and you need to share hope. And I know some of you right now, you're thinking, but pastor, you don't know my situation, it's hopeless. I've been laid off, I'm now unemployed. I don't know if my marriage is gonna make it. And, and my career, my job, whatever you may think that's hopeless and you need hope. And there's a story in the Bible, there's tons of stories in the Bible, but one of my favorite one 
that reveals a hopeless situation turning into hope is found in John chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to John chapter 11. You can grab your phone, your iPad, your computer. Go to John chapter 11, and I'll be using the New Living Translation. And I just want to share with you this story that looks hopeless, that looks dead, that looks impossible, and Jesus performs a miracle. And what I'm believing and I'm praying for for you on this Easter Sunday is that Jesus will perform a miracle in your life. Wherever you are hopeless, I believe and trust the Holy Spirit will inspire hope into your circumstance and into your situation. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 1, 21, it says, through Christ, you have come to trust in God. Now, don't miss that. It's through Jesus that we put our trust in God. Peter goes on and says, and you have placed your faith and your hope in God. Why? Because he raised his son from the dead. Because Jesus got up out of the grave today, 2,000 years ago. We can have faith and we can have hope. Now, that word faith is a firm conviction that you are convicted by something. And that word hope is an expectation, a confidence that it's going to come to pass, that what God says will come to pass. And it's with that hope and faith. I want to go into the story found in John chapter 11. Now, now let me give you the background. Yes, we know that Jesus had 12, 12 disciples, and we know that he had hundreds of disciples that followed him everywhere. But do you know that Jesus had an inner circle of close friends? And the Bible wants us to know that three of those friends are found in this story, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Now, I, I kind of feel that Lazarus was the baby brother here. I don't know. We don't know for sure the age or it, which one came first, but it seems like Mary and Martha are really protective of, of Lazarus and all of a sudden, Lazarus gets sick. An illness comes upon him. And his sisters realize, wait a second, wait a second. It doesn't look like he's going to make it. So they sent a messenger out to find Jesus and said, your friend, your friend is sick. Please come and heal them. Because they thought, if surely if we would go and let Jesus know that his friend Lazarus is sick, surely for us, because we, we, he loves us and we love him, surely he will come and he will heal Lazarus. And we pick up in verse four. I want you to see what it said. But when Jesus heard about it, what do you hear? He heard that Lazarus was sick. He said this, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened. He got sick. The reason he got sick, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Let me stop to say this. Some of you right now, you're facing impossibility. Some of you right now, you're facing a dead end. Some of you right now, you're facing a hopeless situation. And listen to me. I believe that God wants to do a miracle in your life. You know what the prerequisite is for a miracle? Problems. Scarcity. Not abundance, but when you have just a little. That's the position where God shows up and performs miracles in your life. But please don't miss this. God doesn't do miracles for you. God doesn't do miracles for other people. God performs miracles so that he can get the glory and that he can get the credit. So no matter what you're going through right now in your life, here's what I believe. God wants to get glory through this. Now, listen, I, I don't understand it all. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out, but this is what I do know. No matter what happens or how God comes through and whatever miracle he performs, it's because he wants to get the glory and the credit. Verse five. So although, this is very important, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They were close friends. He loved them. He stayed. He stayed where he was. 
for the next two days. Now you think because Jesus loved them, Jesus should have went running back there. That Jesus should have ran to the city, that Jesus could heal him. But let me tell you something about our God. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He didn't have to go. He could have spoke the word and healed Lazarus from a distance, but he didn't. Of course he could have went to Lazarus and touched him and healed him, but he didn't. He stayed. And the reason why he stayed and the reason why he delayed is because he loved them. See, a lot of times when Jesus delays in our miracles, when he delays in our circumstances, we think the opposite. Well, God, you don't love me. That's why my marriage failed. God, you don't love me. That's why my kid went sideways. God, you don't love me. That's why I lost my job. God, if you really loved me, if you really were for me, then you wouldn't delay. The opposite is true. Because he loves you, he delays. And he stayed two more days. So finally, a couple of days have passed. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, let's go. Let's go back to Lazarus. He's asleep. And the disciples said, wait, Jesus, wait, wait, wait. They were just trying to kill you a few days ago back in that city. And you want to go back to that town? They just tried to kill you. Why would you want to go back to where people are going to try to kill you? And he says, and he says Lazarus is asleep. And they're like, uh, well, if he's asleep, then let somebody wake him up. But what they didn't understand is that Jesus was saying that he died, that he passed away. We pick up in verse 14. Jesus told them, the disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go and see him. So listen, a lot of times the reason why Jesus delays doesn't come through on your timetable or when you think he should come through is because he wants you to trust him. He wants you to pull your, put your full weight and trust in him. Jesus makes his way back to the town and before he can get into the city gates, the people run out to him. People come to him. Martha runs him and falls at his feet. Now listen, Lazarus, the Bible tells us, has been dead for four days. Now, you know, when you read the Bible, numbers are very important, numbers are significant. Why does John want us to know that Lazarus has been dead for four days? Because he wants his Jewish audience to know that Lazarus is not dead, he's dead dead. He is past dead, because here's what the Jews believed. They believed that once you died, that your soul hovered over your body for three days trying to find a place to re-enter back into your body, just maybe you would come back to life. But on the third day, it departed and it left the body. So for John to tell us he'd been dead four days, that is a word to all the Jewish audience. Not only is Lazarus dead, he is dead, dead, and there is no hope, there is no way he could ever, ever, ever come back to life because his soul has departed from him. And Martha falls at his feet, and here's what she says. Verse 21, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said that before? Think about it. Lord, if you would have showed up early, Lord, if you would have changed my husband, if you would have, I wouldn't have lost my job. Lord, if you wouldn't, I wouldn't have been abused. If you would have, and we could go on. Do not, don't we say that all the time? Lord, if you only would have showed up, then maybe I would have been healed. If you would have, my grandma wouldn't have got sick. You fill in the blank. If you would have only 
been here. And we look at the past. And that's a preventative faith. If you would have, then you could have done something. And then verse 22. This is so important, what Martha says. But even now. Folks, you know what I titled this morning's message? Even now. Even now. Now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Now, let me, let me preface this. She was not expecting Jesus to raise her brother from the dead. I'm, if you never heard the story about Lazarus, spoiler alert, I just gave you Jesus raising from the dead. But hang tight, stay here with me. Don't get up and leave yet. She had so much faith and trust, even though there's a hopeless situation. She says, even now, whatever you ask, God will do. And I know she wasn't thinking about resurrecting her brother. Why? Because we'll see in a minute they try to stop Jesus from actually going to the tomb to do this. But she says, even now. Folks, that's the type of faith I want to have. I want resurrection faith. Even now, God, you can fix my marriage. Even now, you can find me another job. Even now, you can pull me out of this financial crisis. Even now, you can bring my wayward kid home. Even now, you can break this addiction in my body. I want that type of faith, a resurrection faith. Even now, you can do it. See, that's what I mean when I say the best is yet to come. That's what I mean when I use the word hope. Even now, God can still do it. Even now, God is still in his throne. Even now, he can still come through. Do you have that type of hope in your life? Verse 23, Jesus gets kind of all theological on her. He says, your brother will rise again in the end times, when the end day, at the resurrection. Jesus said to her, then Martha said, yes, I know that. He will rise when everyone else rise in the last day. Now watch this. She went immediately to the future. Did you notice this? She said, if you would have been here in the past, someday in the future, and here's what she missed. She missed Jesus was present there today. And that is one of the biggest attacks from the enemy. He wants you to live in your past. He wants you to what if about your future and you miss living today. She wasn't seeing that the resurrection was today, that the resurrection was in front of her. See, that's what the enemy wants. She wants to put your mind in the past, be scared or what if about the future, and you miss today. So here it is, the big statement, verse 25. Jesus told her, this is one of the seven I am statements. I am the resurrection. Is that not what we celebrate today? On Easter Sunday, he got up out of the grave and he lives. We don't have to go to a tomb. He's not past tense. He is. I am. That's present tense. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And anyone, and here's the word, believes. Anyone who believes in me will live even after he dies. You see, Martha, you think the resurrection is an event. <laughs> the resurrection is an event. The resurrection is a person. And he's standing right in front of you. And his name is Jesus. She missed the present tense of that. I am the resurrection. And when Jesus said that, this is another whole little side note here, our Bible study. But if you remember, when Moses went back to Pharaoh, he said, God, what's your name? When Pharaoh asked, who sent you? What do I tell him? And what, is, what does God say? I am. I am. And when Jesus made that statement, I am the resurrection. Any Jew in a throw stone away knew he just claimed deity. He just claimed the name of God. I am am the resurrection and the life. And then in verse 26, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Have you ever thought about that? 
everyone who lives in me and believes in me, Jesus says, will never die. Now watch this, I'm never gonna die. Now physically I will someday, physically, but on September the 2nd, 1997, I gave my life to Jesus and I was born again. And now I'm alive in Christ. And though my body may die, I will live for all eternity. In fact, you will live for all eternity in one or two places. A place called heaven where you'll be with Jesus or a place called hell where you'll be separated from Jesus for all eternity. And you know what? It all depends on whether you believe. Do you believe? He goes on and says this. Do you believe this, Martha? Verse 27, yes, Lord, she told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God, and you are the one who come into the world from God. That's great for Martha, but what about you? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe he's the Messiah? Do you believe he's the one that God sent into the world? That the world turned their back on him? That the world crucified him, but three days later, he got up out of the grave. Do you believe that? Martha, she says, I believe you're the one. I believe you're the Messiah. So Martha gets up, she goes, gets Mary, and she says, Mary, come out here. The rabbi's here, the teacher's here, and Mary runs, and she falls at Jesus' feet. She says the very exact same thing. If only you would have been here. If only you would have come through, my brother would still be alive. He still would be alive. And then she wept. And then we get a glimpse of Jesus' humanity. You know what Jesus does? He weeps. Now, we don't know exactly the emotion behind him causing him to weep, but he wept. He knew, he knew Lazarus was about to be brought back from the dead, but he wept. His heart was broken. He was moved with compassion that began to burn with a righteous anger. And he says, take me to the grave. Take me to the grave the tomb and roll the stone away. And you know what happens? A protest. The sisters jump out and say, wait, 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 wait. He's been dead for four days. So if you're a Jew, his soul's already departed. He's gone, he's way gone. This is a hopeless, dead end situation that's impossible. Have you ever been there before? Some of you are there right now and you're wondering, what do I do? And Jesus says, roll the stone away. Away. Now, let me give you a background real quick about a tomb. A tomb is just a holding place. A tomb is where when you passed away, they mummified your body and they placed you in a tomb. Now, that tomb could hold 20 to 40 people. And what happens is they place you in a tomb and they leave you in there for 12 months. For 12 months. And then after 12 months is over, they come and they take your bones, they put them in a box or a bag, and then they go bury you with your ancestors. It's just a holding place. It's just the place that they're gonna be held there. Jesus says, roll the stone away. And then look what happens. This is amazing, verse 40. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? So they rolled the stone aside and then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said this out loud for their sake. So they will know the people standing here. So they will believe that you sent me. I'm praying out loud. So they will all believe that you sent me into the world. In verse 43, I love this. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. You know why he said Lazarus come out? Because if he would have said come out, every dead person in there would have walked out of the tomb. But he said, Lazarus, come out. And then in verse 44, and then a dead man, I love that, a dead man. He was dead, but now he's alive. A dead man came out. 
his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. That's significant. Don't have time to jump into that. And Jesus told them, unwrap him, take the grave clothes off and let him go. Folks, a dead end situation, impossible situation, hopeless situation. But Jesus showed up. And when Jesus shows up, miracles will be performed. Just a couple of things I want to share with you as we close together this morning. Here's the first one. It is never too late. There is never a situation too bad. There's never a situation so far gone that Jesus can't perform a miracle in your life, that Jesus can't show up and show out in your life. Your marriage can never be too far gone. Your wayward kid can never be too far gone. Your addiction can never be too far gone. No matter how hopeless or dead in it may be, with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always the best is yet to come. That's why we believe that here at Better Life Church. So I wanna encourage you, no matter what circumstance you're facing, maybe your job, your finances, your marriage, whatever it may be, it's never too late for Jesus to show up and perform a miracle in your life. In fact, Jesus loves to make what's impossible possible if you believe, if you believe. Which leads me to my second and really my last point and even my main point, that it's never too late to believe. It's never too late. All over the world, you've tuned in here this morning. I have no idea where you're located. I have no idea where you're watching, but here's what I do know. However you found your way through Facebook, YouTube, doesn't matter, our online platform, here's what I believe, that a holy, righteous God somehow brought this message to you right now, no matter where you're sitting across the world, and He is whispering your name, come out. Come out and believe. Come out and be brought to life. From death to life, come out. What are you waiting on? It's never too late to start to believe. The pastor, you don't know my circumstance. You don't know my situation. You don't know where I've come from. It doesn't matter. Come out. Come out of the grave. Give your life to Jesus. And you're going to have grave clothes all over you. And you're still going to have things that are going to be dead. It's going to show up in your life. But listen, if you will walk with Jesus, if you will follow Jesus, here's what's going to happen. Those grave clothes, those bad habits, those bad things will begin to fall off. Why? Not because you're good, but because you believed and you follow Jesus. Believe. It's never too late to start to believe. And Jesus says, if you believe, Though physically you will die, spiritually you will live for all eternity. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I know this is a little awkward. You're at home, you'll listen to this or you're watching this. You may be on the road, I have no idea. But here's what I want you to do, if you're able to, I want you just to bow your heads just for a moment. Just for a moment. And I want you to check your heart. Do you believe? Do you have the even now, the resurrection faith now? Do you believe? Not about your circumstances just yet, but Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, that the reason why we're celebrating today is because He got up out of the grave. Do you believe that? Because here's what the Bible says, if you will believe that, 
you will be saved. The scripture is very clear and very plain. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Martha did that. You remember that? I believe, I've always believed. And if you will confess and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's why we celebrate today. That's why we celebrate every day. That's why we're able to live every day. It's because he lives. And the Bible says if you do that, something fascinating will happen in your life. God will take all your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. And here's what he says. I will forgive every sin you'll ever commit. In fact, he says, I take your sins and cast them as far as the deep depths of the ocean, as far as from east to west where you'll never see them anymore. Do you believe right now when our whole entire world is turned upside down, you want me to tell you what the world needs? They need people who believe in a resurrected God. His name is Jesus. And they will say, even now with resurrection faith and resurrection power, my God is good and my God is in control and my God knows what's best. So I'm gonna invite you, if that's you, to pray with me. I say this all the time. If you ever hang out with us at Better Life Church, Saying a prayer is not what saves you. But your lips can proclaim. If your heart declares it, if your heart believes it, let your lips proclaim it. And I want you to pray. And here's what I want you to pray right now, no matter where you're sitting. It doesn't matter if your wife's beside you, your kid's beside you, your family member, a friend, boyfriend, girl, doesn't matter. I want you to pray with me. Here's what I want you to pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe today you got up out of the grave for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And as best as I know how, I put my faith and trust in you today. Now help me follow you for the rest of my life. Now we believe the Bible is very clear. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you just prayed that with me, I'm believing with everything within me that the Lord radically saved and changed you. And one of your next steps, we're all about taking next steps here at Better Life Church, is to let someone know. Like right now, let the person sit beside you know. You can email me, pastor at betterlife.church. Email me like right now. Let me know. I want to know so I can celebrate. Chat on the chat below us if you're watching online and let us know. I just want to let everybody know that I just prayed to give my life to Jesus. Because even though we may be virtually, we want to help you take your next steps and follow Him. And for every single person out there who's struggling, whatever your struggle may be, whatever it may be hopeless, whatever may be a dead end in your career, your marriage, your finance, whatever it may be, whatever may be impossible, here's what I want to encourage you from today. That you will have an even now resurrection faith now that God will perform a miracle in your life. Do you believe? Because if you believe and if you trust without wavering, we learned that a few weeks ago in the book of James. If you believe, God will show up and show out in your circumstance, in your situation, and in your trial. And watch this. And he'll do this for one reason and one reason only. Yes, he loves you. That's one reason. I get that. But let me tell you why. So that he can get the glory and so that he can get the credit for everything he does in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in our place. 
thank you, Lord, that you've made a way. That Jesus is not a way. Jesus is not the best way. Jesus is the only way to you. Thank you. You made a narrow way for us to come to you so we wouldn't miss it. Thank you that he died in our place. Thank you that he got up out of the grave for me and for all of your children. Thank you that who calls on, whoever calls on his name will be saved. And Father, we pray ever you want to take this message that you will use it to speak into people's lives and in their circumstances, that you will bring hope because we really, truly believe that the best is yet to come. We are hopeful with faith and hope and believe, God, that you will get all the glory. For it's in your son's name we ask and we pray, amen.